the garden bed and one of the pups wanted to go up there and have a sniff and he comes sprinting down the road screaming get off my property your dogs can't be there he's foaming at the mouth comes straight at he misses so I'm, I've just come from kickboxing training so I'm, <laughs> I'm a fucking I'm a man I started going <laughs> start shaping up he's like obviously got something wrong with him so I eventually calmed down I was a bit of a smart ass to him he's like you can't go I said nah bro it's alright he goes don't you call me bro I'm like dude it's like 9 o'clock in the morning what are we doing it's Monday where, where um, are you living and, yeah, that's, that's uh, some it is, man. There's some really nice places and some people have been there for a long time. I don't know any of the suburbs in fucking Newcastle at all. Like, no, no. It's, it's a good joint. It's like right next to Charlestown, so it's like it's a good joint, but it's just um, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, well, just a Just a dash. You did one the other day with um, one of the boys in the army. You got halfway through it, and Keegan reckons he's watching this pouring drinks. Just. Getting turned off by fucking beautiful <laughs> alcoholics. Now we had uh, Joe Hester Russell. Good to go. Good count. Yeah. Yeah, he got on and. Um, yeah, that's all we had was whiskey. You want to mix it there. It's like a. That's uh, it's usually what I drink after after shows. It's just whiskey and it's just it's a good way to just calm you down and yeah. get the night done, sort of thing. Yeah. But I don't I don't drink that much. Only when I'm on tour, which at the moment is a lot, so I guess I'm just full of shit. Because when you, you said you were going Monday, you kick off your European tour. Yeah, so I'll, my first show is in Edinburgh on Wednesday night. So that'll be sick. Real. Next week, yeah. when are you flying out? Monday. Fuck. Yeah. Sick. No, I'm pumped for that, except for the flight. I'm just fucking... You get, like, I fly to Perth quite a bit, and that's just, like, on the edge of losing your shit. Yeah. So we'll What's see. that five hours for me? Yeah. First time I went to Perth, I'll oh, wait, wait for the podcast. Jesus Christ. Well, we'll just keep going. It's already been going. Are we? Yeah. First time. First time I went to Perth, it's like a, a five hour flight, as you said, and we sat on the tarmac with, uh, with some problem going on. And they said, oh, listen, there's a bit of an issue. We'll be about 20 minutes delayed. And they come back and said, listen, there's a problem with the air bridge, the bit that you walk on to get onto the front of the plane. Uh, we're flying someone up from, this is in Brisbane, flying someone up from Melbourne to try and get it detached. It wouldn't fucking detach. So we sit on the tarmac for four hours. Well, they, oh, there's a bloke on a plane. <laughs> there's a plane on a plane. Got his tool bag coming up to get rip the bloody uh, the air bridge off. And so it was a nine-hour flight to Perth. I got there, went straight to the show, got changed and went on stage and did two shows that night. Fucking horrible. What's the crowd like in Perth? Good, good. Yeah. It's, uh, I'm over there again in a month doing the Astor Theatre, which is about 1,000 people. So that should be really, really cool. I'm looking forward to that. It's a beautiful old theatre. How'd you go in Townsville? Townsville's great. I love Townsville. Yeah. I uh, was I up there. I was at the uh, I was at the casino. Yeah. It was about five hundred people there. It was great. It was a really great show. So they they just the great thing about Queensland is they just cop anything. Like they'll they'll let you talk about anything. Some other cities are a bit uh, how you going with it. Like <laughs> Melbourne's a little bit. It depends where you go. Yeah. Like I got in a bit of trouble at the comedy festival this year, but. Um, how do you get in trouble at a fucking comedy festival? Yeah, that's a good question, mate. So, uh, <laughs> I allegedly made some uh, a reference to the Holocaust that people didn't take too kindly. And in fact, all it was was referencing vegans. That's yeah. what it was all about. And this lady, she wrote to a newspaper and all this type of stuff. I got in trouble by the Anti-Defamation Commission. Yeah. But it was all positive for me. I wasn't worried at all because I got like 50,000 subscribers from yeah. that <laughs> one, from that incident. The following video where you were all over Jewish news and stuff. It, comes, it all comes from a good, a good place. It's all there for humour. I'm not trying to hurt anyone. Yeah. It's to make people laugh. That's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I think that's what they're going to do with fucking comedy. Because like, all the all the Townsville boys, you've got a massive following with the, the army boys in Townsville. 
soon as that one, there was that one photo you put up there with, with, the, with the Swiss Aid shirt. Yep. And the boys were like, fuck. Even that first one ages ago, when you, I think it was on your Byron Bay one, you were in the Swiss Aid shirt for a bit. And yep. Just getting messages from all the boys. Sick. Good. Go and fucking check it out. Oh, sorry, mate. Trying to cool down from the big run up the street. Yeah, it's I mean, that, that's an important thing about branding is just getting it out there amongst people that you know they have a uh, similar interest in. Overlapping those circles, they're like yeah, yeah. and people lose their shit. They're like, holy shit, you know this person, all that type of stuff. That's crazy, all that, you know. And I think that's that's important. But um, I've I, um, I hit someone up. I hit someone up in the defence force when I was really early starting out to do like um, to go over and entertain the troops and all that type of stuff and I don't think they'd do it now I think I'm a bit too risque but yeah. <laughs> which Ooh. is unfortunate but because the troops fucking love it man but right at the top like they everyone, everyone's all about like all the yeah. all, all, most people that get that high in the rank in the, in the military then looking for political careers after it yeah right and they've got to they got to shape their, their position politically sure the diggers love it mate I'm sure I'm sure although in saying that I'm sure the diggers overseas would love to have Hannah Gads become to tell some beautiful stories about her yeah. life. <laughs> they really get around that. Beautiful stuff. Yeah. Now, most, most of the boys don't give a shit about politics left or right, but they want to hear jokes. And well, that's all I do. I don't, there's no political bias in my show. I, try and, I don't really think I have a political bias. I just think... Like, Cyclists? More, well, fuck them. But <laughs> I, I think more logically about things. Like I try and take, like, with that whole thing that happened the other week with the climate change, the little girl, Greta, and my first reaction was like, oh, what everyone was carrying on about, oh, this is great to attack her. And then I went back and I thought, oh, okay, come on. This is a kid. I'm not going to attack a kid. And then yeah. but I was thinking, but, oh, when the similar thing happened in America with the 16-year-old boys, they all attacked them because they were on the right side of politics and... I just sat back and I went, listen, I'm just going to play either side. <laughs> right. Let's just calm down. But um, it'd be unfair not to attack her. <laughs> it would. Sexist and ageist if you don't yeah. attack her. Yeah. That's where I sort of sit. But, uh, I mean, I don't know. With my sort of career and, and the things that I do, regardless of what you say or what you do, you will someone will be pissed off. Yeah. And that's just... That's just life, and it's all good. Yeah. You know? Now, we were talking about this the other night. There was, well, actually, one of the boys wrote a blog about it. He does some stuff for mates in mining, and he wrote this blog. And Max brought up the same point just um, off the cuff the other night. It's like, when you're, in, when you're in the army, or military in general, no one gives a shit about race. No one gives a shit about ethnicity or fucking... If you're gay, straight, black, white, or brown, it's just the boys talking shit, and you're allowed to make fun of each other. And then you get out, and you're like, oh, fuck, everyone's actually sensitive about this shit. Mm. And it's weird. That's why I think that's what a lot of the boys resonate with your side of comedy because you just don't give a fuck. Yeah. And well, it's the same not- with comedy. It's like you, when I'm around comedians, we say the most heinous shit to each other to try and make each other laugh. Mm. You know, and that's just how we operate. It's the same when you play footy and stuff. You may say yeah. the worst shit possible, but then when you record that, and I put that on YouTube, like I did that the other day with this Andrew Schultz comedian from America, and I put something up that was completely out of context. He was just being a horrible piece of shit to elicit a humorous response from me, and people were blowing up. You can't say that. How dare he say that? I was like, but he's a comedian. He's just... It's not true what he's saying. It's not what he really, truly believes in his heart of hearts. He's just being an asshole. It's okay okay to be an asshole. Fucking hate it is. I love it. That's what I base my career on, is being a piece of shit to (laughs) certain groups of people. It's going well. (laughs) I'm drinking vodka on a Thursday. (laughs) Bloody two in the morning. No. 
Because I don't know, because you start, you would see all the tours just around, is it just around Europe? What do you, how do you schedule it? You just go away for a month, nail out some tours. Yeah, so come back. I, uh, I started my first tour last year in, in June, and I said early on that I didn't want to uh, be away for long periods of time for two reasons. I got a family, and I don't want to have to uh, lack in the content uh, department. So the way I work is I go away for the weekend, and then I come back. Oh, like, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, come home Sunday or Monday or whatever. And so I started this tour. I started it um, probably two or three months ago. And I've done, I think, uh, probably close to 30 shows now, including New Zealand and around the top half, all of Queensland, basically. And then uh, except for the Gold Coast and Brisbane and uh, a lot of New South Wales as well, including Newcastle. And... and, that is all then leading into this Europe tour and then come back for another 12 shows and then I'm done. And that's, so I think it's around 50 or something for this year. And then I come back and then I'm into Melbourne in March for a month of uh, every night for shows and then off to America for another month. So it's, uh, it doesn't really stop. That's the thing. And like, I'm one of those people that likes to be really busy. Yeah. You know, if I'm quiet, I start to freak out a bit. I'm just not a big fan of that. <laughs> it's just my sort of weird mentality with that type of stuff. So, do you take your family with you or do you, they stay nah. here? Oh, sometimes I take the missus and um, like she's coming to Europe and that type of stuff. Uh, a lot of the time it's just it's just boring because you fly there you don't get you get there late you don't get to see any of the city and then you're flying out in the next morning at 7.38 o'clock so I've been to every big city in Australia but if you told me how to get from Perth to Fremantle I'd uh, I don't know, what's Fremantle <laughs> like, I've been to every city in Australia and I can only tell you what the nightclubs look like so <laughs> yeah, yeah. that's a very fair point I've been to some I've been to some absolute doozies don't worry about that <laughs> there's some interesting places um, I did a nightclub in in uh, Darwin I don't know how much time you spent in Darwin, but Darwin's a hot bit of gear, I'll tell you that much. Jesus Christ. Uh, Discovery? Uh, Is it Discovery? Yeah, yeah, I did a gig there. (laughs) That's where I did my show in Darwin. Yep. And... The lighting guy fucked me up. He he. I went on stage, announced me, and all that type of stuff, and then he couldn't turn the big circulating lights off. So you know the lights that come on stage yep. when like someone's walking out and there's big bright lights and there's colours and shit. That goes on for thirty minutes. <laughs> and the front row, everyone's getting migraines. I've got epilepsy, right? So I'm freaking out. Am I going to die for this? How's being anti-epileptic drugs working? Are they going to kick in at any point here? Freaking out. And it was just a terrible experience. But yeah, fuck Darwin. <laughs> it looked like I went up there with, went up with the kids and the missus and it like so I only got to see the family friendly side of it but it looks like that strip looks like a good night out in the piss you know what we had we had a great night I mean, yeah. and it, it's a good joint it's just you know it's just hot it's hot up there it's, it's, a, fence, it's, a, middle it's of a fence winter. outside it, yeah it is it is wet like you walk in and you've got sweaty underarms it's bad I wouldn't recommend Darwin to anyone but no, no it's alright it's alright but um, so we uh, last night I was just saying before the podcast, we had, we launched a campaign, or I launched a campaign on my YouTube channel about selling New Zealand, just as a bit of a, a bit of a laugh. And I was going to raise some money and give fifty percent to a Greyhound charity that I've had a lot to do with, and fifty percent to you guys. And in, I think it was like two hours, we raised fifty grand for yeah, selling we'll New Zealand. Yeah, we'll blowing we'll the fuck up. Fifty k, and that was in US dollars. Uh, so it was 50k Australian mm. and then eBay shut it down yeah so that pissed me off I was just like what do we do now um, so what we're going to do is we're going to start a GoFundMe next week and I'm going to kick up a big stink about it in the video and hopefully get some cash for, for you yes, guys yeah. and those guys so that's the plan anyway um, 
It was just, I was filthy about that. It's like, even if you are eBay and you go, okay, you can't sell a country, fair enough. Mm. But you look at that and you go, okay, this is going to go and do some good. Let's just let it go. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I want to know what their parameters are. For, did, someone, did someone make a complaint? Must what are they? Someone like, must have complained and then uh, they've gone, okay, yeah, you can't do that. How fucking unhinged do you have to be that someone goes like, I don't know who's sitting at home and they go, they're actually going to sell New Zealand. He can't sell New Zealand. No, she can't. He can't sell New Zealand. What? And there are some very special human beings around. It's just, some people are, they're different. They're not bred like most people. You know, like, they're hard to understand. They're hard to, you know, really get a grasp, a grisp, a grasp of their existence. I don't know what reality they're like. You could, they're gonna, he's going to sell New Zealand. He can't do that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get offended. Like, ah. They've got skin made of tissue paper. Yeah, and a lot of people really do, man. A lot of people have got a lot of problems and they just cannot deal with change. Or, or anyone thinking, like, people are just like, oh, you can't do that. Like, people sending me messages, you shouldn't be able to do that, mate. Like, of course. I said in the video, I'm not actually doing it. Fucking idiot. How can you think that I would even be possible? What are you talking about? I don't even own a house. It's like, it's like the fake news stuff. It's like, just read the entire article or listen to yeah. the entire thing. And it was a shirt. What are you doing? I was just selling a shirt and I was just calling it New Zealand. I don't know, man. It's just that type of stuff and really annoys me that, that, you know, we could have, we could have written off a check, given it to two great causes and people could have got help. Uh, dogs could have got help, all that type of shit. And now we're sitting here going, well, what are we going to do? Yeah. yeah? Uh, just because some fuck we carried on like a pork chop. So because it happens all the time. People that rely on, so it's like charities that rely on this sort of stuff and they, they can't see the bigger picture. And, and if they'd have watched your whole thing, but they would have, they would have seen a snippet, got super offended, got triggered and been like, no, nah, I'm offended. If they'd have got four minutes into it, we're like, Ah, now I understand. I mean, a lot of people won't work with me or they won't do anything uh, that has anything to do with my name because of tweets I've sent out or a lot of it is video titles, like I hate feminism or something like that. Like, watch the video. And if you aren't um, at least thinking a little bit differently after watching that, then okay, I don't give a fuck what you think because obviously you're not not thinking rationally. Um, But people just, it is that clickbait sort of, life that a lot of people leave and they're so used to people um you know or, or articles coming up and they everyone read does it everyone does clickbait and then you click and they read the article and you're like oh yeah that's not what it is but man it's bullshit it's lazy journalism <laughs> and it's where people are they know it works and it's hard to get out of that but they should you know from an ethical point of view just get out of it but in saying that i do that as well with youtube yeah, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a fucking joke, and that's what. Like, it's, I thought Australia would be the place. So I immigrated to Australia from England. Okay. And when I fucking was moving out of here, my mum comes down the stairs and she's like, "We're going to move to Australia." And I was like, "Fuck yeah!" We watch Crocodile Dundee, like all the movies, and I'm like, "I'm going to be jumping around on kangaroos." Yeah, there's going to be no fucking schools. It's going to be sick. And we landed in Melbourne, <laughs> and I went to Springvale School, and I was like, "This is not fucking Australia." Uh, but I thought everyone would be fucking really relaxed, and then. We just turned into a big nanny state at the moment. Like, there's the audience of dudes that are just genuine fucking human beings and Australians, and then there's just this. I don't know who the where that where they got it from or how they get so offended. It's phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. There's a lot of weak people around. Yeah, a lot of people that just can't deal with a lot of different things. And I mean, maybe it's the same with you guys. And the only thing that I can sort of relate it to is playing footy and that type of stuff. Is you know those type of people. Maybe it's the same with combat people. You know, you know what type of people they are. And you know, yeah. these people who get offended by shit. It's no one I know. It's probably no one you know. It might be a few people. 
perhaps a female. Because a few, <laughs> few ladies don't like the butts, and fair enough, whatever. They never have. Um, but <laughs> it's, um, it's just one of those things, you know. You can't pick what people believe in their own minds, and you also don't know what happens when they get home. Either the things they watch, the echo chamber they're in, it's a whole multitude of reasons. Because they generate their own ecosystem as well, don't they? Like, so, you know, like Apple generates all Apple stuff and the ecosystem, the, the friends that they follow on Facebook and the circles mm. they're in become super insular and then they get this one thing that's a, that's a contra- like a contradicting argument or point of view and they're just like... All of a sudden I turn up and then they just email me to kill myself. <laughs> that's, what, that's the basic way that they work. It's hilarious. Mate, if a week goes past and I haven't got a death threat, I'm not doing my job. Really? Oh, honestly, every week. It's ridiculous. People like, and not just like the, oh, kill yourself type of thing, or I'm going to kill you. It's like a full, like a book, like a Dan Brown novel <laughs> sent to me. Like, it's hilarious getting these things. So, like, when I first started getting them, I started going, oh, this is a bit full on. And now it's just like, oh, got another one. Like, just tick it up. <laughs> just start That's the irony of that crowd, but if, if, if you said that to one person, yeah. the worst bloke in the world, but a hundred say to you, and I'm like, ah, oh, he's, he's getting famous, he's just got to deal with it. Man, just deal with it. <laughs> And it's all good. It's all part of the gig. Yeah. You know? So, I mean, I've had people turn up at shows. A vegan dude turned up a show in, in, in Adelaide. and Expecting what? Got, I don't know. He got my face and he wanted an apology and all this type of shit. Because he, he said that I misrepresented him about something he said. And what he said was uh, that disabled people, uh, mentally disabled people, are in the same group as cattle. And so I repeated that, calling him an asshole for saying that. And he said, no, no, what I was trying to say was that uh, mentally handicapped people are similar to cows um, in this respect. And I was going, you're still an asshole. Do you understand what you're saying? <laughs> and he's like, you need to apologize. I was like, I'm not going to fucking apologize. He's there with a camera crew and all this type of stuff. And I said, mate, why don't we, why don't we talk about this outside later on? He goes, you want to go outside, dude? I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Jesus Christ, this is the middle of a show. And... Uh, but um, he turned up and he was bigger than me. He was like six, 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 nine or something. He was a massive what dude. What the fuck's he eating for a vegan? I know. Man? He must have been there. There's some, there's some meat somewhere there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He might it's be like some sausage suppositories or something. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Did he pay the food entry to your show? No, he snuck in. Ooh. And then oh. my tour manager went to find the venue manager to stop him. My tour manager, Zach, who's like, he's a big dude, goes and finds this like 19 year old young woman to try and stop this. I'm like, where the fuck are you going? Leave me here by myself. <laughs> Your whole bit of year, but shit. But you get that. Because and then the thing is that you won't apologise, and that's the thing. Like you start watching some Netflix, like all the comedians, and you see them on TV, and they start making a joke, and they'll be like, I don't know what it is. There'll be a joke about something, and they have to sort of almost before they tell the joke now, like. Look, I'm not a sexist, you know, but, uh, you know, women should stay in the kitchen. And you're like, why do you have to now, like, it's like almost a precursor before they tell a joke so that they don't get the public backlash. Yeah. And then you're just like, nah, this is, it's a, it's comedy. It's just a joke. Nobody means this shit. It's funny. I just go with whatever I think is funny. And it was a guy called Al DeBeno, who's an American comedian who lives in Australia now. He told me that when I first started out. And uh, Joe Rogan told him that when he first started out in the States. So that's really stuck with me this entire time. And I just I just go out there and, and do my best. And if I, if I offend people or I upset people, then so be it, you know. I've, I've done it my whole whole career and I've, I've, I've managed to get uh, a good special out and another one about to be filmed from, you know, making mistakes, uh, saying unfunny things and then finding where the funny in those horrible things and, you know. It's just all part of the part of the journey. You might, 
know, I might have a really good bit at the end of the year that was terrible at the start, you know, but, but it gets there in the end. So it's, uh, and that's the thing, people might come along halfway through this sort of journey with one joke and they think you're an asshole, but then the people who see that same joke later on might think it's great. You know, I've got a rape joke in my set at the moment that is amazing. It's, it's, <laughs> it is so good. <laughs> It's, no, it's, it's, it's like the most unoffensive rape joke ever that gets round of applauses every single time I say it from males and females. Because my crowd's 50-50 male-female like shows. Yeah. yeah, people think it's just all blokes, young white dudes. It's every creed, every ethnicity, yeah. everyone. Yeah. Everyone has a dark sense of humour. Every yeah, single person, mate. The sunrise special comes off, yep. and then the real people that laugh. It's like the polling booths when, when Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, they're at the polling booths, and they're like... Oh, Hillary's one is in a landslide, and then when you go in a little private booth and nobody's watching you, everyone's like, Donald Trump, and like, oh, it's an upset. You go to comedy specials, people are pissing themselves at your fucking jokes because it's the dark side of them coming I I mean, I know these other comedians that do it in Australia, and there's so many, and I'm not the best comedian in the world. I'm not saying that at all. But there's so many people that are on TV that are on uh, getting these Amazon deals that just happened. All these, these 10 comedians in Australia got signed with Amazon. Man, they are only there because they fit a representation or they fit this uh, this this uh, mould or this thing that they think works and they think is uh, something they can sell. And it's just not. You know, we grew up in Australia here listening most likely to the Channel 10 comedians who were on during the Melbourne Comedy Gala, which has to be okay to go to the next ad break. You can't say horrible things. You can't say mean things. And not every joke has to be offensive, but you're allowed to throw shit in there, you know? I like to take people... It's like a horror movie sometimes, my show. You take people down this dark path and then freak them out with something that comes out of nowhere. That's the stuff that I enjoy, and that's why I try and emulate it. Mm. I don't know, um, because you got into... Because uh, you, you were doing it. You, did you get a Netflix gig? Did you get that in the end? That was a story that I shared. Uh, I didn't. It was just all just a bit of a ploy. Um, but a newspaper article wrote a story saying that I got a Netflix deal. And I was like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you see, YouTube, it's a lot like politics. Whatever happens, you just spin it in your favor. Yeah. And that's what I do. And... Um, I mean, we we're in talks and we're still in talks with different people to host, you know, one of these uh, specials that I do. But we didn't have one lined up. And this newspaper just ran with that story. And I was like, okay, we'll just run Send with it. that. Yeah. yeah. And <coughs> Absolutely. And it gave them a headline and it gave people a reason to talk about me. And at the, at the end of the day, in this business, that is the number one thing. If you've got people talking, then that's all that matters. Why do you think Pauline Hanson comes out with the most ridiculous thing every three months <laughs> just to stay? Well, you might be giving her a bit too much credit there, mate. I think some of it just comes out. Man, she, some of the things that she says aren't the worst ideas in the world, but the way that she says she them... She's just, a galat. She cannot can't articulate that. Yeah. She, she cannot. needs a speechwriter really badly. Yeah. She like, you know, she can come and say, listen, we need to really keep an eye on uh, potentially harmful people that come into the country that may be from a Middle Eastern country. And all she yeah. says is, blacks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's how she operates. Yeah, you're like, oh, Pauline, what are you it's doing? Like, for fuck's sake. Even the stuff about the, the, the child support stuff, the 50-50, they're talking about, the, you know, looking into the custody of, of children and, and 50-50 in family courts. And what she, she nailed it, what she said, but you just, it's hard. She's hard to follow. You're like, Pauline. And you, um, you got a good point for the first time in 10 years I can't fucking follow you hmm. you need a teleprompter it needs to be Ron Burgundy off a teleprompter and then he'd just hold up cards like don't leave it yeah yeah absolutely she's um, 
you know, and I'm not a Pauline follower or supporter. I don't really give a shit about Australian politics. I don't really follow it, to be honest, for no reason, just that it just doesn't interest me. I'm more interested in American politics, but just because it's hilarious. Like, um, Donald Trump posted today a meme again. You know that Nickelback meme that comes up, look at this photograph? Yeah. And it goes into something else that isn't that song. He put up this thing about Joe Biden talking about he's never uh, spoke, talked about business with his son in this particular country. And then Donald Trump is like, he goes straight into this um, old mate Chad Kroger from Nickelback holding the photograph thing. And it's just like, this is the president of the United States that is, that is posting memes and they're amazing. Like, that is the way that people should be communicating. Like, if ScoMo in the next election doesn't start coming out with memes, he has lost the fuck and plot because it is the way to communicate mm. there was a job online for Clive Palmer's party as a meme artist really yeah it was on Seek I saw it well Clive Palmer's actually suing one of my friends at the moment so there's a comedian called Friendly Geordies and he's a um, he's a he's a YouTuber he does uh, comedy shows across the country very very uh, a very intellectual person he's studied uh, uh, political science at uni and all that type of stuff so he's 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 very much the opposite of me he's actually well read knows what he's talking about he's not just flying by the seat but he uh, he called Clive a fatty McFuckface in a video and some other things like a walking meme and then like six months later he got a letter from Clive's lawyer saying you called him a fatty McFuckface and we're going to sue you for defamation for $500,000 unless you apologize so Friendly Geordies makes this whole like half an hour video it's got like a million views <laughs> just double downing on it calling him a massive fatty McFuckface he got all these other YouTubers oh, I did a bit in it saying Clive you're a fatty McFuckface <laughs> oh man it was amazing it's like how how out of the loop do you have to be as Clive to go and try and sue someone who's just some dude on YouTube like it, it, it's it's beyond me that that's what it, yeah, he's running out of money yeah, maybe he's like I need to pull that off I don't know it? he's this guy who owes all these people money and yet he's playing these lawyers on retainer to try and make fuck like that like if you want to get paid start suing some people because they ain't got no bankroll surely he knows that this kid doesn't have 500k or, or at the very least to put up a legal defence well, I thought he's not even in the country at the moment oh, no idea isn't because of his nickname, well, I'll probably should talk out of town. I'll get, we'll get sued next week, but it's a good, pretty good PR yeah, for the podcast. But I thought anyway. he was out of the country because his nickel refinery is getting sued and he's in a bit of trouble. No, no idea. He's he's everywhere, that bloke. Yeah. be hard for him to get on planes, though. He's a big, fat mess. <laughs> he is. I'd hate to buy two tickets or what? No, nah, not Clive. Jesus Christ. Three. Fine, probably sure. You can't sue charities, can you? We're going to find out after we'll this podcast. <laughs> you might have to sell Australia for us, mate. So what's Swiss film? What are you guys doing now? What's the what's the next move here? Um, uh, well, the app's about to drop about two weeks away, just quietly. All the boys that have, have signed up, we, we released it about a month, two months ago, just to, to a few soldiers to, to test, and it all went well, and we got all the bugs out of it. So we're going to release that, and then... When's this going to come out? We don't want to tell people about the stomp too early, so I'll oh, fuck it. We walk so next <laughs> next year we're going to do the hard launch like March next year, and then to promote it we're going to walk around the country, all sort of team of veterans and team of sol- bunch of soldiers, civvies if they want to get on board, just walk in Sydney, Brisbane, Darwin, Perth, around the bottom. That's sick. Just letting everyone know that the app's there. It's a tool they can use and and doing events. So if you got, I don't know, your gig tours like next year, but if you got fucking gigs anywhere along the route that we can line up, that'd be sick. We get the whole whole. Tour what um, what dates are you talking next year for the walk? First of April, we leave Sydney. 
Um, and then it's, a, it's pretty much a month between stops around, well, not between stops, but a month between states um, around okay. the country back into Sydney end of November. Okay, right, yeah. So, yeah it's going to be fucking that. sick. It's going to be, as we go along, you know, get people in the clubs and RSLs, get communities together, like we were talking about before, about getting rural communities together, speaking about... But if I put an event on first yeah. and then get up and do a talk about mental health, some proactive tools, get it out there, do a podcast with some fucking cool people in the community. So community leaders, sporting dudes, yeah. comedians, stuff like that. And then uh, film a documentary in the background of just the lads being lads as we go around. So Netflix documentary too, Max has been telling people, so. Yeah. Been telling everyone, so like, <laughs> if I tell enough people, yeah. they're going to get on board. And, and then, they, then Netflix find out, and then people say, why aren't you filming it? They go, yeah, well, exactly. you know, they're a charity, why aren't you doing that? Don't yeah. you like vets? And then all of a sudden, yeah. like, if, you, if, if you don't film this Netflix, you are killing veterans. <laughs> just said it. Nobody, Mate, <laughs> Hear that, Netflix? <laughs> While you're at it, sign me, please. <laughs> That's almost how it works these days. That's how the, the app so the app was finished a, a while ago and it got held up by Apple because Apple didn't like that we were... Well, their, their policy says you can't charge some people and other people get it for free. So That's discrimination. But they don't, obviously there's a thousand levels of hierarchy in Apple, so it's getting picked up somewhere by an algorithm or whatever. And eventually we got through to their, their policy department in California and we're like, is this really the story you want to release that Apple doesn't want to release a free suicide prevention tool to veterans instantly, mate? Like, wow. under 24 hours, they're on the phone going, yeah, no, no, we're gonna, we'll uh-huh. fix this problem. It's a good card to play. But it's true, you're not lying. <coughs> it's like, well, what are you guys doing, you know? And it's not that they weren't, like... Apple's obviously not out there going, no, veteran, free apps for veterans, let's, let's pull the pin. It's just that there's so many layers to it, but you just got to bring it to their attention. You bring it to their attention in a positive way, yeah. sometimes it doesn't get hurt. You bring it to their attention and go, well, what sometimes if you don't? You play that card, man. Yeah. And people will they'll jump when you tell them to jump. It's mm. important. But, um, so what, what is the state for veterans at the moment with mental health? I think a lot of people sort of they don't really understand that. I mean, maybe on this podcast people are around all that type of stuff, but I'm not really you know, versed in that. I'm more, yeah. more obviously in the, the sort of the, the civilian sort of realm. But what's what's going on? What, what's happening? It's actually, we might as well get into it because there's, there's a lot of bullshit going around still. There's a lot of people telling stories that aren't real and the numbers are a bit skewed. And at the moment, like the, the suicide rate's still, well, the, the stats that we push out is it's still, you're six times more likely to die at your own hand than you are to die at war if, as an Australian soldier. So that's a stat that we kind of push out to everyone, which is super fucked up. It's hard to sell to people, but you don't want to, you don't want to say, oh, to, let's balance it out by killing more people at war. Yeah, yeah. But, the, yeah, there's, there's, there's too many soldiers. Like we've been to too many funerals lately and we don't want to darken up the conversation, but we've been to too many in the last couple of years. Um, and they're all preventable. It's all just shit that if, if you give people tools before they get anxious and depressed, keep people being healthy, then you're good to go. And I think a lot of people don't understand uh, the power that the mind has uh, on oneself like I was someone who never really got that uh, people in my family that have bad anxiety and I used to just say you know you need to calm down all that type of stuff and when I started to develop um, uh, this uh, type of epilepsy that I have I started to have I had one in public and it freaked me out I ended up developing this weird sort of PTSD from it and I know people usually associate PTSD with really full on events like life changing events events you'd never see or never be able to prepare, prepare for but there are like most things it's a spectrum and I had this this event that I was trying to avoid at all costs and then I developed this really bad anxiety disorder uh, on top of that and 
I never understood what anxiety was until I was going through it. Mm. And like my old man said, mate, you just need to calm down a little bit. Which is like telling a woman to calm down. It's like trying to baptize a fucking cat, isn't it? Like, it's it's very difficult. It's (laughs) it's like you're sitting, like I used to sit at home and I'd be relaxed and watching telly um, and it would feel like there was a lion next to me. Like my life was under threat constantly. Mm. It's a weird thing. And the more that people do to sort of address that, whether it's going to the, the first step's going to the doctor. The first step's probably, you know, getting some exercise eating right all those type of things making sure your environment's sorted out but then you know go to the doc talk to a psychologist all those type of things and that's where the app comes in because a lot of people don't have that ability to bring that up with their family or their loved ones or, the, or a lot of the time their mates because even if <clears throat> you know you say to your mate oh mate I'm feeling depressed or whatever you know because it's context as well it's, it's, it's empathy they've got to be they've got to have either done it or it's like when you're having the best day on the planet and you and you get a mate comes up and is like, oh, I'm having a shit day. You're putting your mindset on them, yeah. and you're like, well, I'm fine. And you're trying to empathise with them, but you're like, you'll be right, mate. It's fine. Until you have context and you've been in that same place, uh, and everyone's going to go through it, man. I think, okay, fucking, up. and that's the thing that we're trying to tell, like, you're going to go through it. That's just the way society's structured at the moment, and. There's people that are they're out there now that are con- that, that are ambassadors for the whole fucking thing. Yeah, they're like we know how to do this now because yep. we've been there. It's like yourself, uh, it's lived experience, and that's the thing we keep spruiking. You're not a psychiatrist, you're not a psychologist, but you've had lived experience. You know where to go, and you know what not to do and what to do. And I don't have a PhD, but I can get you out of that fucking hole, man. If you take my hand, we're good to go, you know? Absolutely. And that's what a lot of people don't have. Like, I've had, uh, I've seen people go to groups of mates and stuff and say they're depressed or whatever. And then everyone, you know, everyone has that emotional response of, oh, I'm sorry to hear that, brother, you know, yada, yada, yada. But that's nothing. You're not doing anything to get that person because that person still goes home. And if they're alone or with someone, whatever, whatever the situation is, and then they fall back into that hole. You need to really do something proactive because, uh, and I say this to everyone, I say every single person will have anxiety or depression in their life. Something is going to come up. Uh, You might have already dealt with it in school and gotten over it and you're done for the rest of your life. Or maybe you've got a big hurdle coming up and the things that are in place now uh, to help you through that, you know, if you can learn now, even if you're not going through it or if you are going through it, the things you can learn just to sort of base yourself and get yourself ready or get yourself out or just, you know, probably one of the things that I struggled with was trying to fix it immediately. You know, these things don't fix themselves straight away. No. It's a long, it's, it's a lifelong you know, journey. It's like anything. It's like becoming good at something. It takes 10,000 hours not to be a panicky freak. That's where I'm at at the moment. <laughs> you know what I mean? It takes 10,000 hours not to freak out all the time. So you read out, you've read Outliers. Have you? Sorry? You've read Outliers? No, no. Mate, don't read. Don't read. Don't read. <laughs> 10,000 hours, that's what that whole book's about. Yeah. Anyway, not to change the subject. But yeah, so when, we, when we started this thing, we're like, there's a bunch of organisations out there doing... Like a lot of awareness stuff. That's fantastic. You got to make people aware first, but then what? People. Are, so we got to the point a couple of years ago where I'm like, people are aware now. There's yep. a there's a fucking problem with mental health. Everyone knows about it. What's the next step? And then some of them like, are you okay? Encouraging people to talk about it. That's cool. But you got to go to the next step and go. I asked my mate if he was okay, and he said no. And I was like, oh fuck. Yeah. Now what? Mm. And it's like that Homer Simpson episode where he fades back into the fucking hedge between. <laughs> and it's like. That's, that's where we got to. And they started bringing around some tools going, all right, this is how you respond. And, but the big problem with dudes especially is like, you go, are you okay? No. 
got the tools to go, all right, how about this, how about that? But then you, no one's going further because they're not comfortable talking about it. Mm. Best way to get people comfortable was to get dudes who are supposed to be alpha male, heavy hitter kind of dudes, and then get them talking about their shit. And then everyone feels okay doing it. Yeah, and, and the more people you can relate to. Like one of the things I looked for when I was going through that anxiety period, and I still deal with it, but it's something that you know I'm getting through slowly, um, was people in my position as a comedian or an entertainer or someone who's doing, you know, who's successful. Um, trying to find someone who's actually doing that and going through the same thing. If you can find someone, then you go, okay, this isn't this, you know, this brick wall that I've run into. There's a hole through it. I just have to find it. And uh, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. The, people say there's a stigma with mental health. I disagree. I think there's a stigma with actually seeking treatment yeah. for mental health, whether that be uh, psychologists, um, meds, uh, lifestyle changes. I think obviously lifestyle changes comes first, but I'm just throwing that. And yeah, there is that stigma there because people don't want to change or maybe they don't have the answers or their group that's of friends. That's one thing we just want to get rid of. It. It's the fucking stigma and it's ridiculous. And that's why you get, like you're saying, like you coming on like this and when Sutter first said, oh yeah, we'll get the butts, man, and he's, gonna, he's coming on as an ambassador. I was like, for a mental health proactive chat, he's like, yeah, fucking oath. I was like, Fuck, righto. Hey, I'm the king. Okay, yeah. yeah. And then, <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? And, and um, you get other guys and you can see it and they come across. And once you start talking about it, we start, like I was saying the other day, we get text messages from dudes and they're like, boy, what are you doing fucking sick? And you're like, I didn't expect that from you, motherfucker. Like, of all the people. So I think getting rid of the stigma, it's just got to be, like, the stigma's gone. Now yeah. it's how we fix it. How we fix it? Yeah, yeah. We're in there. We're in the trenches. But the what reason, do we do? Yeah, yeah. The, the, stigma, the stigma around mental health being an issue has gone. But like you said, the stigma around going to see psych is still there. And, like, I, I've been out of the full-time military for, like, nearly eight years. And it wasn't until I wrote a blog about this. It wasn't until I watched that Rick and Morty episode where, you know, do you watch Rick and yeah. Morty? Pickle Rick. Yeah. Where at the end, how he, find, he he turns himself into a pickle to avoid going to the site with his family. Yeah. And in the end, fucking sick show if anyone hasn't seen it. show. In the end, he winds up on the couch doing a back and forth with the psych. And she's like, you don't come here when you've got a problem. Like, that's, you do, you obviously you do. But, like, you, that, if you're coming here then, you're leaving it too late. You come here for maintenance, like like cleaning your teeth and wiping your ass. It's like daily hygiene maintenance. And that's when I was like, fuck, I need to say, if I'm going to start talking about this shit to people, I'm going to start living it as well, booked in to see a site and just go once a month, just have a yarn and vent some shit. And that's gold. Like if you do get shit that you really, really got to get off, you're already comfortable talking to this person. But when you start out, you just go and have a yarn and see if they can break it down and give you some fucking life advice. Yeah, and, and it works. And it's, it's absolutely important. And a lot of people say, okay, you know, I haven't, and I didn't see results from the psychologist. Like I didn't go there and come home and feel great. But it's what happens over time. In fact, it's probably almost the opposite. Because I used to go, I used to see a psych once a month religiously if I go there I generally feel shit that night yeah because you're like oh that's a bit you're talking about everything put that shit let's put it back in the box mate (laughs) (laughs) I don't know we're hoping this motherfucker you're like oh right but yeah yeah yeah, it's one of those things, man. And, and I think the more people that hear this and, and, and get involved with the app and, and particularly in the veteran side of things and, as you said, getting those alpha males, those dudes, the blokes, blokes who are involved with that type of stuff. I see it with the NRL all the time. They go, everyone freaks out because someone's got depression. Fuck it, everyone. You, yeah. you walk down the street, 80% of people have gone through that. Yeah. Why is it at the front page of the paper? 
Yep. Cocksucker. Yeah. yeah making you know. it harder for all the other boys still playing footy going through the same oh, shit. Yeah, going, I don't want to be at the paper now. Exactly. Right? If I come bullshit. forward and say I've got fucking some kind of mental health issue, they're going to make a big deal out of it and put me on the front page. But that's, that's the bullshit way to yeah. go about it. They do that. And they've, they've done that. So they, this is the thing with the media is they just run on stories that make people feel horrible. Yeah. You know, He's fucked. They don't, they don't know the story about how X player, you know, he had this problem and now he's working through it. You know, he had, um, he was sad all the time. He had suicidal thoughts but now he's realised this and this and this is incorrect mm. in his life or he's gone and sent a doctor and now he's at the psychologist and he's back training or whatever you know they don't run that story no. they just say oh this bloke's this bloke's sad oh mate what is he sad about he makes a million dollars a year yeah, yeah. mate when I was anxious you could pay me yeah, I could be fucking Elon Musk and I'd still be anxious fuck yeah fuck it is. you know it doesn't mean shit even worse when you're in spotlight all the time yeah it's only, that's compounding it I mean I went through my first tour I had 30 or 40 <laughs> shows every show I had a panic attack during the during the show if not yeah. usually at the very start how every the, show how the fuck do you deal because that because it's difficultly <laughs> so you, I'd, I'd be shaking so I'd have to hold the microphone there I'd have to I'd have a seat so I could put my hand on it because I feel like I'd be going faint all this shit yeah. for 30 shows madness I know I knew about it and now I, I know that I can do that tour in front of all these strangers with that problem then I can do it do it without yeah fuck it I don't fucking do anything yeah. give me a challenge you know what I mean so even like other things in life now that I've been through this like I went and flew in this Russian um, uh, 1990 I can't remember what it was called but it was this little uh, bi- not a biplane but it was a plane with like the the wings were made out of um Basically, like uh, the cover that you have on a book when you're in primary school, that type of shit. So we're flying, and he's doing uh, 400 k's upside down, doing barrel rolls, all this type of shit, all these things I'd never do before, but I did it because I, I knew that I could handle it. In reality, I got out, and the bloke said, "Listen, mate, when you get out, you'll say that's the best thing I ever did." I got out. I said, "Mate, never again, fuck it." Punch in the middle. I fucking hated that. I feel sick. This has ruined my day. <laughs> but, you know, it gives you the confidence to deal with other shit in life, you know? Yeah, 100. How many engines did it have? One, two? <laughs> Mate, I bet I had a couple. Oh, I, uh, I don't get in fucking single engine. Yeah, no, a single it. engine it was. Oh, fuck that. Six, with cardboard wings. And it then did. what they do is they get a single engine plane, just to add, just to fuck with you, right? They get a single engine plane, and you see these things fall out of the sky every fucking time. They get a 90-year-old dude as a flight instructor, and you're like, he's going to have a heart attack. And if he flies planes... Generally, it's going to be in the fucking air, and he's teaching a fourteen-year-old kid how to fly the fucking plane. Mm-mm, not doing it. If he's got two fucking planes, I'm not doing it. He was my mate was showing us photos before we went up. He goes, "Yeah, mate, we got a few strippers in here. They like to get photos upside down with their tits out." <laughs> <laughs> I was like what the fuck? <laughs> we're ready to take off, and he goes, uh, he's, yeah, "We're going over the intercom." And he's like, "Yeah, mate, uh, we just got to be careful around here. There's a lot of people fly drones. We hit a drone with the biplane, had to crash land in the water." <laughs> I was like, fuck. And "There's only one person in history that's pulled that off, and he's in Houston." So. <laughs> oh man, it was fucking terrifying. But you know. It was one of those things. I'm no, glad, no. glad I did it. No, I'm good, brother. No. Thank you. That's good. That's abstaining from... from <coughs> I have to go. I'm, so I'm the opposite. So cause I, so you got into comedy. What age did you get into comedy? And when did you want to go, you know, I'm going to do... St- I wanted to be a comedian from the time I was about 15. Yeah. I used to watch... Uh, probably even younger. I used to watch, like, The Glass House on a Friday night on uh, ABC or SBS or whatever it was. And I used to watch my pop. And Billy Conley, I used to watch that with my pop as well. That was sort of my first introduction. And then a bit of Willie Anderson. And then Billy Conley's fucking good. He's great. Oh. 
and then I moved into like Jim Jeffries when I was probably in high school and stuff. And I just used to, I used, like a primary school, I used to host the talent quest, you know, shit like that. And then I got to about 21, uh, did an open mic night and thought, okay, write right five minutes of material. And I was like, right, I can do this. Started traveling to Sydney to do gigs. And then I got to the point where I was opening for some guys who were big on the internet. And I was like, this is the way to do it. So I just started making videos and it took me a year to get to about a thousand subscribers. And then it took me another three days to get to 150,000. One video clicked and then it just flew on from there, you know, so. So what would- to, to get over the stage fright, so did you have stage fright or were you just like, no, I'm fucking sick? No, I got stage fright when I started getting big. Like I started actually, people coming to see me, not just there. And you're like, they're going to find out. Well, they're paid money, man. They, you yeah. know, what if I, what if I, what if I bomb? You know, my yeah. biggest fear with stand up is putting on a bad show for people because they've spent their hard earned money there. You know, a lot of comedians just don't give a shit. They just go, oh, if you don't like it, you don't like it. But I'm like, fuck, I really want. I reckon, most, I reckon that's bullshit with most of them, man. I reckon I every, everyone who gets into, unless unless you're fucking a freak, most people who get in front of a camera are semi perfectionists, get performance anxiety, and that's all it is. is the minute you got to go in front of people, and you're like little voice comes in the back of your head and you're like fuck what if I'm not good enough for these people mm. then cool shit but oh, everyone even the ones that go out there and go nah fuck them they might have got to that point but when they started out they were not saying fuck oh, I have this argument every time I go for a show I have this argument in my head that I can't do stand up I can't do this I cannot do this but I've done you know 200 shows in my career I've done them all mm. I survived I'll be fine but before I do my first show in Edinburgh in a week I'll be freaking out yeah. <laughs> you know? but that's it's Someone said, I think it was Jerry Seinfeld said, it's just part of the game. This is what you're doing. This is just part of it. You just got to accept it and go with it. Yeah. yeah. And repetition, get numb to it. Yeah. To, well, not numb to it, but overexposure. That's like exposure therapy is the way to get through it. But it's also good because you feel you're part of the moment. Like everyone else out there is anticipating something. If you're back there and you're just like, who gives a shit? Then yeah. you go you come numb to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want to fire yourself up and get out there. It's like, so, because I heard this, hey, like that's fucking cool. Because I heard, so people are like, oh, how do you deal with anxiety? And they're like, no, 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 you don't deal with anxiety. What you do is, and I'm not talking about anxieties, you know, have the just like, just general, like maybe or, or nervousness is like, they talk about it like waves, you've got to ride the waves and use that energy as excitement. And you're like, okay, I'm super nervous. Instead of trying to control it and stop, and be like, yeah, no, 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 I need to calm down. You're like, nah, let's ramp it. Mm. And they took it, I'll have to fucking, I'll bring up a study, I won't, and then we won't even put it in the fucking notes for the podcast. But they're like, literally, you can ride these fucking waves and, and fucking send it yeah when, when, I, when I'm really nervous before a show and for me nervousness and anxiety is a bit different you know what I mean like it's uh, anxiety for me is this, this freak out yep. when, when nothing's happening and you shouldn't be feeling it be- yeah yep. and, and nervousness is just when something's about to happen you go okay I should be nervous here. Yeah. Um, you, you'll know at a show if I'm really nervous, if I like come out and I'm yelling and I'm screaming because I do the whole sort of res- wrestling thing. Like I'm yelling at the crowd and pointing when the music's playing and all that type of stuff just to, I don't know, I just like doing it. <laughs> <laughs> just for no reason. It's just good fun. You'll know I'm, I'm quite nervous because I'm just trying to get that energy and just fire. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's just, but like I enjoy it. Like when you finish a show and you sit down, you go, oh, that was fun. You know, I was freaking out. I was like, when I used to play footy, I used to be nervous, but I'm glad I did it. Um, yeah. But like with anything, anything you do in life, it's tough. Usually it's quite hard to yeah, get I'm, to that point. I'm the same. Like you can, it's a distinct separation between nervousness. Like anxiety, your brain just goes, I'm done for the day, switching off, yeah. it doesn't work, you can't think. Nervousness is like everything's still working. It's got butterflies, but you like, can pump your way through it. Anxiety doesn't work that way. No, no, no. Fuck, I don't know. 
I used to get super nervous for I started playing rugby in one hour with Sutter and then I think that's the same thing eh? like you, you sort of feel before you run on the field I was like Ah, uh, this is alright, but you can still process through it and use that energy. And you're like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, you get your first tackle, or you take your first hit up, or whatever, and you're sweet. And you're back and you're in the game, you're good, you know? Yeah. What do you think is the big cause of um, the mental health issues with veterans? Oh, well, mate, we, we did surveys on this stuff. A lot of, so, and this, this is what I was getting at before, if we get deep into it, we might as well. Like, a lot of the numbers say that everyone's got PTSD, and that's a fucking story that was getting sold to the media. The media loved it. I mean, it's something they can take and run with it and go, we're sending all of our soldiers to war, they're coming back with PTSD. That's not the case. Like, there's some people out there with legitimate PTSD, um, and I think it's an insult to what they've done that everybody else is fucking getting diagnosed with it. But there's a few avenues. Like, one, there's people that have just got these signs and symptoms, they don't know what it is, and they, they, they go and get diagnosed with PTSD because there was a time when... when you had to diagnose them with something. Yeah. You hadn't broken it down. Like psychology is obviously, you got to break down the issues and there's a whole new bunch of names coming out all the time for different conditions. And when they weren't sure what it was, it's, they're like, all right, you've been overseas, you're anxious and depressed, let's just call it PTSD for now and then keep digging. And that's cool. But then the stats go on the books and they're like, fuck, everyone's coming back with PTSD and it's not 100% accurate. I think what we found, with, especially with our mates, was that there was a handful of the boys had acute PTSD but everybody who got out like everybody unless you went um, into some high performing job where you're too distracted like everybody had some form of anxiety and depression and so we started asking the boys and all the answers were coming back the same and it was like one that you're isolated that's a massive one so that's why we we base a lot of the stuff around that Sebastian Junger book tribe because it's like you go, I'll take it back a step even further. You get, you get to recruit people into a combat corps in the military, you're, you're looking for people who are craving family and craving, craving a tribe because there's, there's something missing. And they want to be that and they get, you get in the military and you're like, I found it. I found this group of people that I can live and breathe and fucking fight with and die with and whatever. And then you transition out and become a city and that's gone. And so you're back to like your childhood issues of fucking needing needing your tribe, and it's not there anymore because you move away to your hometown or whatever. And so that separates the isolation from your tribe is a massive issue, and I don't think that's one that's been focused on enough. I think there's a few people starting to do studies on it, but then purpose and identity are the other big ones, yeah. and obviously the one that we focus on a lot is routine. Like you get, and this is where it crosses over with boys from footy, like athletes as well. You you young kid going to school, everything's kind of in a basic routine as a kid become a professional sports person or join the military and it's like you've got to be here at this time you're going to train at this time you're going to eat this way you're going to sleep at this time and it's all routine and then you get out or you retire from sport or you get out of the military and it's like don't have to do that anymore so you just sleep in and then you don't have to fucking be anywhere it's, man so it's exactly so military we were watching Netflix last night uh, series uh, what was it that mind, that new fucking mind 100 mind, is it 100 what's the one with the it was about talking about cults and it's a different one. I forgot the name of it. It's a documentary series with... Um, okay. It's fucking sick. And it talks about... So it's like... NRL clubs are cult. Like, and they're not cults. Okay, no, no, cool. Cults are a spectrum. Yeah. yeah. Uh, over that spectrum. And, and so is the military. And so is... It doesn't matter what it is, whether it's a criminal gang and they, it's a group and belonging and they can generate their own ideology and and structure. And, and they've always got a charismatic leader. And it's always a, you know, sort of a captain or whatever. 
And then they, all that structure goes away and you're a fucking NRL player. And they're like, okay, man, you're at the peak of your game, 37, we're not renewing your contract, bro. And you're like, I just played footy for fucking my whole life. What do you want me to do now? Mm. Bang, and it's gone. And they move away from the club. You know, if you're sick, if you're Jonathan Thurston, you might get a bloody speaking gig if you can talk. Uh, <laughs> but, and it's the same thing with... With, with veterans is that and yeah. it was a dirty word for a bit I think it's I think it's, it's called adjustment disorder it's adjusting to a new situation or a new place or a new set of belonging and, and, and part of those things are you lose some of these fucking things that you had mates location identity there was no isolation and then you get out and you're like fuck and it's not just being a sad fucking sack and not getting on with life Mate, my, my anxiety and the peak of that coincided with me uh leaving my job, uh, starting this new weird career, moving out of home, uh, all those things where all of a sudden I didn't have anything to do. Like if I didn't make a video, whatever. You know, yep. I'm at home all day, whatever. You know, yep. Misses at work, I'm at home all day by myself. And over time the mind runs wild. Yep. You know, and you know, I had one sort of event where I had a panic attack and then that led to the anxiety and but I had all day to think about it. And I think that's sort of what you talk about is like people are just there ruminating. If, uh, so if you put it if you put it on the far end of the spectrum, you, you put people in jail and you put them in isolation and they fucking lose their minds. Mm. And they're like, I don't want to go on that hole. No. And that's the punishment is to put them in complete isolation. So if you do it differently, because they do things in America where they ask a whole bunch of people, uh, can we track your phone for a bit? You know, like for studies and use your data just where you go. And they got like New York City. And if you look down on New York City, it looked like a big rat maze. And there was these rats that really only went to the same nightclubs, the same group, the same circle, went to these offices and then these groups. And they never intersect. Not once did any one of these blips move over to these blips. Hmm. And it's complete compartmentalization of society. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking trippy. Wow. Adjustment disorder, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yep. it's, it's one of those things where you... Because you, you, as you said, routine is everything since you're a kid. Yep. You know, you get up, you have your breakfast, you do this, mum tells you what to do, you go to school, teachers tell you what to do, you go to work, boss tells you what to do. All of a sudden you come out and you're like, oh, fuck. Mm. I don't know how to live. I don't know what to do with myself. And it's not everyone, but it's a, it's a lot of people. It's a lot of people freaking out. I think what you guys are doing is fantastic, giving people fucking routine. It's something so simple that people just don't... You don't learn about it in school. No. It's something you just accept as a part of your normal life. Yeah, so schools build it, but they, they don't realise they're building it. Yeah. You're going to school every day, you're going to class every 40 minutes, a bell's going off. Yeah. It's not the best for me in a routine. <laughs> On a factory scenario, a bell's going off, but it is. And when you get out, if you don't follow that through, you fucking then you find it. Look, I don't know how many mates you have. I've got plenty of them. Some of them got it, left school and went into some other form of routine. Yeah. Progressed success. Other people got out. They, they're like, oh, I'm just going to do nothing for a couple of years. They kept doing nothing for 20 years or wherever I'll be at now. And that's, that you find that. Like, you probably got the same in your generation yeah. school. You don't stick to some kind of routine and start setting goals and moving forward, you're fucked. Yeah. And man, the, I was lucky with my sort of thing. My, my, my success and it's still, you know, nowhere near where I want to be or any of that type of stuff. So I'm not trying to say that, but it was because of, you know, hard work, but also a lot of luck. Like I could very easily, if I didn't make one video that really kicked me off, I could still be just working odd jobs and all that type of shit and, and still trying to do this comedy thing, you know? So 
it's a lot of, a lot, a lot of luck with that but I don't know I don't know it's hard to sort of you know guide where your life is going and, and work all that type of stuff out I took a chance it paid off for a lot of people it doesn't mm. you know so I think that's super fucking admirable man because you see a lot of people uh, and they talk about they, they get on and they do their master classes because they, they get into a business we're talking about the guy the other day they get into a business they uh, oh fuck they, you know they, they buy a vineyard or they whatever and then they manage to be in the right place at the right time they sell it when the market's high and they just and then they come out and they start preaching like all this bullshit so yeah you've got obvious talent and skill you're a fucking funny dude and it's good to watch yeah. and then you're like yeah but man there was a bit of luck involved there too oh 100% yeah. it's all luck yeah, you know, it's it, uh, timing, luck, and hard work is basically the key to everything in life. I think you know, getting the right job, finding the right girl, all that type of stuff, having good kids. You know, it's just about the environment you're in, but you got to put yourself in that environment. You know, it's not just going to turn up. You know, it's not like the secret where you just think about something and then it appears. Yeah, that's that's what I. I, I mean, I, you, know, you can call it luck if you want, but you start doing it. When yeah. most, there's a lot of people that get that grew up going, "I'm going to be a comic," and then they just didn't start well there's a lot of people that started and then like they did two videos and, and they didn't get picked up straight away so they're like oh I'm never going to get picked up so then you might call it luck but there's also hard work and persistence that meant that the first few didn't pick up that much so you just kept going kept going and then you got picked up at one and then you might call it luck but I look at that and go that's kind of fucking persistence too yeah yeah, because the, 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 yeah, we, we talked about Gary Vee and, and versus the secret on the last podcast. Like the, the secret was like a massive thing for a bit, where you like you don't put any work in. You sit there, you pray to Jesus, and you're like, if I if I think really positive, then I'm going to get heaps of money. Cutting cars out of magazines. Yeah. Like, what <laughs> That's what I love. When, when Rogan called Gary Vee the anti secret, he's like, well, there is a model where you can get everything in, in life that you really want. You do have to think about and focus. And then work your fucking cut off to get there. Yeah. And then you'll get there. Hundred percent. That's the secret. Yeah. That's the secret to all these type of things. I mean, I'm not where people are like, oh, you're so successful and that type of stuff. I'm nowhere where I want to be. You know, I'm working hard at the moment because I want to get my family a house. That's number my number one goal. And then I want to just get over to the states, make it big over there, and then just keep working, challenging myself, trying new things. That's where life gets interesting. Yeah. You know, you get stuck in this. You see all these sad comedians and that type of stuff because they're not trying anything new. They've reached the top. Robin Williams. I know he had a lot of other troubles medically, but he was at the top. Like, what else could he have done? Yeah. You know, that's the scary thing. Like, what if you do get to the top? What do you do then? How do you stay there? How, yeah. do, what do, you, how, do, you, how do you keep generating new material? And I think well, my brother said this to me yesterday. He goes, what if it all fails tomorrow and you've got to get a regular job? And I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> what do I do? I think you're going to be all right. Straight back to the Macus If I start doing comedy, it was always ever going to be uh, just a story of my fucking shitty fucked up life. And yeah. then they're like, how do you come up with this material? Like... It's just that. What do you mean, material? That was my fucking life. You were talking about. But, but, but most comics are fucked. Yeah, <laughs> they've got something wrong. They think differently. They've had something happen in their life or something weird. So what happens when you get, you get, let's say, like you blow the fuck up more than what you do. So, like, so you got a million subscribers and there's 26 million people in Australia. Yeah. And I'm fucking sick of maths, and we've proved this point. One in 26 people in Australia follow you on fucking YouTube. Yeah. What happens when you go to America and you blow it up and then you, you've got everything, right? Mm. How do you generate material when you don't have any fucked up stuff to... You have to like go on a cover. Oh, and go mate, pure talent, I think, would be the number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know. 
I, I talk a lot about political, well, not political things, but topical things that are happening in the world. I suppose it's a big thing. The world is a fucked up place. It You're is. never going to run out of material. There's a lot of other people that are fucking things up every day that I can talk about. But, yeah. you know, life experience is important and horrible things that happen. I talk about them on stage or, or shit that happens in the bedroom or relationships, all that type of stuff, you know? That, that's the stuff I, I like talking about, the horrible shit that happens in the world, the things that everyone can relate to and everything in between. That's that's what I sort of write material on, but man, I I got to start writing a new hour in uh, in another in another two months. So I got to get a new hour for March next year. I'm trying to do a new hour every year, so that's uh, that's terrifying. But you know that'll happen, and we'll just get it done. So like a spe- like a comedy special hour, just yeah, yeah, and it, and it's fucking hard. But you know I'm getting better at it. I didn't think I'd be able to do it, but I did it last year. So I'll just do it again. So it just comes out. It doesn't exist right now. But it's like, you know, if you have a, a tree, you can turn that into a desk. It just takes time. I like the hard work philosophy because I sort of try to skip the hard work philosophy and then I just have a few too many G&Ts and decide to try and text Arnold Schwarzenegger or Joe Rogan. She yeah. faced at two in the morning yeah. like, hey, Joe, how you going, man? And the amount of DMs going. that I get from people who are like, hey, bro, can you just give us a shout out? I was like, fuck this boy. <laughs> <laughs> Like not only am I an asshole and I'm not going to do that, but can you imagine if I shout you out? You got like 600 followers on Instagram. Hey, mate, hey, you got to follow fucking Joey, bro. He's <laughs> you know, he works at Handy Penny. He's having a great time. Fuck that. <laughs> You're not going to get it from someone else. You got to get, you got to do it. Hundred percent. It's the hard work, man. You know. Um, but uh, no, I love what you guys are doing, and uh, I'm glad to be a part of it. Oh, mate, I'm glad you're. I couldn't believe it. Yeah, mate, blown away. Absolutely blown away. So, how's your rig going for this budgie smuggler campaign, mate? Uh, awful, awful is the answer at the Good. moment. Good. the rest of us. Oh, man, my summer body's far away at the moment, i tell you what. I, I, you know what? I put on weight. I've been eating a lot of almond butter. Yeah. I got my fitness pal out the other day. Almond butter's like, for 100 grams, it's like 680 calories. I was yeah. like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I didn't know that. I thought I was killing it. <laughs> That's the big problem in the health industry when they, they say, well, you've got to eat keto, you've got to eat paleo. I'm like, almonds are good for you. Yeah. I'm like, oh, sweet. I'll just eat five tons of almonds. Yeah. Oh, I'll smash them. Yeah. Get obese. Because I, I was keto for two years. Uh, I lost 34 kilos. And I, I was like, nine, I got to 94 kilos. And I'm 6'8". So 94 kilos at 6'8 is like, I was too skinny. But, uh, and then I went on tour and stuff and I put back on I'm about 120 at the moment. But I'm also training every day, training MMA, all that type of stuff, jiu-jitsu and stuff. And um, fucking almond butter. Yeah, it'll get you. Fucking almond butter. Honestly, <laughs> serious? Pricks? Fucking, oh, man. You can get them for my protein online too for like 20 bucks for a kilo of it. Yeah. So Butts is just scooping it out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a sugar-free maple syrup on it. And then I throw a couple of macadamia nuts in. Man, Pop I have 2,000 calories in one fucking sitting. Because what do they do with, uh, there's a, isn't there, we've talked about, there's a fucking restaurant. Uh, there's a dude who runs a coffee shop and he's like, he stops selling fucking almond milk to people unless they got a, like. Dr. Certificate of Milk. Dr. Certificate of Milk. Man, I drink almond milk because if I drink normal milk, I will shit yeah. immediately. All right? I don't want to have to go to a, pub, I don't like public toilets. All right? Still can't do it. I can, can I just don't want it. Can right? talk in front of thousands of people. Public toilet. Man, I don't I don't want to shit in a public toilet, right? I just don't want to do it. I mean, like that, never pooed at school, all right? And now I'm just taking that through on the world. Like, around the world. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, well, it's better than being the other way and just heaps excited about it. 
What, using public toilets? I'm just like, man, I'm not doing this at home. I'm taking this out with me. <laughs> I'm giving this back to the world. Depends on the time of the day, I suppose. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but no, that's why I drink almond milk, because it, it allows you to time your visit to the lavatory better, more appropriately. As opposed to, I was lactose intolerant when I was a kid. Mum was just a shitty mum. And she, uh, she doesn't listen to the podcast anyway, because she's shit. Uh, and she'll be like, oh, hey, um, my son's lactose. So I'll just keep feeding him milk and then it'll go straight through him and it'll just hold me over the bath. She's like, yeah, I just, just hold you over the fucking bath while you just shed it out. I'm like, do you think maybe I was just lactose intolerant and you shouldn't feed me fucking milk? <laughs> yeah. I mean, keto's, keto's a great thing. I had this doctor the other day, I went and saw this other doctor, I had to get like a certificate thing for the epilepsy medication before I go on overseas to say that I'm not selling it or some shit. And I was talking to him about the keto, he's like, mate, listen, that's all bullshit, all right? Carbs are good for you, as many as you can in the morning. And I was like, oh, I disagree, you know what I mean? I <laughs> disagree, and then we start having an argument. And then he goes, at the end, he goes, listen, I won't charge you for the extra long visit. I was like, can't we talk about carbs for half the day? But uh, there's a lot of misinformation about that out there. And I think, you know, I mean, does the app that you guys are doing, does that have, like, recipes or...? Yeah, we've got meal plans. Some of them written by, by veterans, some by city dietitians and stuff. Yeah, like, I'll, I'll mean, put it's, my it's, arm and butter recipe in there. Yeah, chat. Well, mate, if you, want, if you want to write a meal plan, get get some recipes in there. Wait, the Budgie Smart meal plan would yeah. be bloody solid. And we'll do a big trade out with you in Budgie Smuggers with a dad bod. <laughs> Um, this is what almond butter will do there. but no we got, we got, that's a hard thing with nutrition man it's a soft science like it changes every 15 minutes yeah. and they the like from the 80s till now they was they were pumping low fats the way to go and that's now bullshit so yeah. and they'll come out with a new diet next week and say that it's good again so it's fucking confusing but we just we, like my, my philosophy because I, I mean I used to have health food shops over in Newcastle my philosophy is just eat shit that grows on the planet you sure if it's been pumped full of preservatives and shit it's processed and it's fucked that first third of the supermarket yeah yeah the outside aisles you're yeah. cleaning shit on one side and, and fresh meat fruit yeah. and veg on the other that's it it's all you need but that's not easy and yummy man I went carnival for three weeks yeah. that was horrendous yeah not good, not good oh no it was great I felt really good but the thought of a steak halfway through I was just like oh, I can't like I felt like you know when you think about something you really really hate and you just feel that thing in your gut like oh I can't do it I just feel sick like that's how I, I felt about meat I just didn't <laughs> go anywhere near it yeah. so vegan next door I think so <laughs> <laughs> that's flip that's up, the world will explode <laughs> well, I think we need to spend more time looking at blood types because I, like, I, I looked into my everyone's like some people look into the whole blood type diet and different blood types are supposed to prefer different styles of food and my blood type says I should be eating like pretty much a paleo diet like mostly meat yep. with a bit of it like with veg and I could eat that every every day like, breakfast on channel I don't really eat breakfast but meat and veg I could do that forever never get sick of it to have done it for fucking months on end and good to go whereas other people like you said you, you eat steak every night for a week and they're like I'm not eating steak again it's not so and much it's done. just because it's just steak that's yeah, the killer because right. there's just salt and steak yeah. and because you have it for you know I probably eat my first meal maybe around 12 o'clock because I train mm. at like 10 I get home have a shower and shit all that type of stuff and then I might have a coffee with a bit of I found a, uh, a company that makes um, MCT oil powder yeah, you just right. put that in and sort of really, you don't have to put milk in your coffee it's creamer yeah, powdered right. creamer so I, I like that and um, and I have that for my, my first meal all that type of shit but I would have a steak then, like two steaks, two big T-bones, and then I'd have another two for dinner. 
and by the end of it, man, done. Like it's just all over. Like, she have a steak at lunch and then steak at dinner. Yeah, you're like oh. you're, you're eating a kilo of steak a day. Yeah. Maybe seven hundred grams. Did you lose weight? Did you get? Yeah. Like, did you, yeah. I mean, yeah. Like so maybe getting... four or five kilos. Fucking hell. Similar to keto though, like if you go hardcore keto and you and you really um and you know you're intermittent fasting to like 12, 1 o'clock sort of thing. Um, it was hard to train on. I found. Uh, I don't know if you guys. Yeah. Have... So I don't, I don't understand that. I'm, like, I'm not a dietitian, but I've spent a lot of years researching this shit. And, but humans aren't supposed to be burning protein. Like that's not an efficient energy source. So if you go just meat and it's not full of fat like if you if you get like eat a whale or a fucking pig with all the fat yeah you might be good to go but if you're buying steaks from Woolworths yeah and most of them are pretty lean because people still want they want a lean steak lean, yeah. you're getting shitloads of protein and fuck all fat so you've got nothing to burn so you start burning protein it's not effect, it's not efficient so you, you're always lethargic you start to stink because your fucking high protein diets make you stink and your kidneys are cooked yeah like you need if you're going to do keto effectively you've got to get heaps of fat mm. so that's what you need NCTs and, yeah. and coconut oil and fucking when I was doing keto properly I was uh, I was having like mince because I was at work I was just like cooking up a big old mince thing in the, in the, on a Sunday I'd have that for lunch but I'd have like two big tablespoons of coconut oil in the morning mince for lunch nothing until dinner and that was it all, 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 all day and that worked like to drop weight 34 kilos in like two years or whatever yeah. it was fine felt great training and all that type of stuff but because I'm away so much now I've been a lot more lazy with it and now I'm sort of my approach now is more of a uh, meat and veg sort of Diet, yeah. Just because, I mean, you, when you're trying to be keto, you've got to really stick to it for it to work. And I was trying to train on it, and then I was out of ketosis, all that type of stuff, trying to get back into it. And your training sessions are shit, and you just get you get a bit down on yourself because you know you're trying to you're trying to really push through these barriers. Yeah. And especially with like jujitsu and stuff like that, like you just like you can't roll properly because you're exhausted after a minute. And it's just yeah. Because you're getting into jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm trying to, I'm trying to try and compete at the moment. Like, I'm still like, I'm, I'm not graded or anything. Uh, my gym doesn't really do the grading sort of system because they're not affiliated with a proper gym that has this and this and this. But they have, it's an MMA gym, yeah. and uh, so I just want to go compete under a white belt sort of thing. So I've only been doing it for a year, so you know, still. Where's that gym right the day doing the? Oh, Lift Performance Centre in, in Sydney. Because they're taking off. They, they partner with jiu-jitsu gyms and that. And okay. jiu is fucking going mental. And it's great. It's great for people who have, uh, like like me and I guess like you guys, like like real proper competing. Yeah. Like going at it at, at another dude, like really just going at it. Um, <laughs> um, get the arm and butter out and going wrestling. at Wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just love, like, I haven't got, Jiu-Jitsu is one of those boxes that I put on my list for the last five years. I'm like, that's the sport I'm going to get into. Just having a time one, just need to make it a priority. Just too lazy, basically. But like, a lot of the boys get out of the military and they want to get into back into or into or back into some kind of combat sport. But I'm super conscious of getting my brain fucking rattled these days. So I'm definitely not doing striking sports. Because I grew up playing rugby and then joined the army and I was just running explosions all the time. And like brain injury from that shit's real. Mm. And it's like, jujitsu seems to be like exploding because you can be primal yeah. without fucking your head up. You can go at 100% and not really hurt someone. Yeah. Like occasionally, you know, I've hurt like an arm or whatever if you're trying to escape like an arm bar or you're trying yeah. to... 
you know, um, you turn your arm a certain way and try and get out of this hitchhiker escape. Uh, you know, try that. If you don't quite get it, then you might, you know, impinge on your, on your shoulder joint or whatever. But, you know, that's like with anything. You, it's a risk to reward, I guess. Yeah. But, um, man, Jiz is great. Uh, I go to a gym called Warrior World Gym, which is down the bottom of uh, Bulls Garden Road there. Uh, and it's, but man, they're the best people. You belong to a family there. It's, it's honestly the, one of the best things I ever did was go to that MMA gym because everyone's there. They're trying to compete. They're all trying to do the same thing. They're trying to be the best at what they do. Sam, what's the fucking... It's a family unit. It's belonging. It's a purpose. It's a... And all of those things. Starts tying it forward and moving it, you know what I mean? Respectful. Everyone brings their families around, you know. Everyone loves everyone there. It's, it's you know, everyone's slapping up. And, man, I'm the widest boy alive, but I'll throw in a few of these ones. <laughs> <laughs> I don't give a fuck, you know. How long have you been doing it? Uh, coming up on a year now. No, no cauliflower ears yet. I got a little bit in here, mate. That's the that's the one thing I, I don't want to start getting. I'm 33, mate. I don't need cauliflower ears now. And I'm I've got a disgraceful body. I don't give a fuck. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just like let's go. <laughs> Actually, I couldn't believe when he walked in there because uh, uh, Keegan follows you, like, and he's like, no, 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 no. He, we don't, you need to move the seat because he's a big boy. I was like. What do you mean? He's like, the motherfucker's like six fucking, like seven foot. I was like, I saw you walk out the door. I was like, oh, that motherfucker's big. I think like, veggies, man. Don't worry about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, well, uh, hey, man, I just want to say uh, thanks for coming on and um, being part of this. I know you're one of our ambassadors, but um, it's really good to have you on and, and someone like you talking about these and, and being able to open up and reach out to people that's real fucking sick when you get back to Australia or where can the people that are listening find you mate I'll tell you what ladies and gentlemen if you're watching this right now you're not subscribed to my YouTube channel you are kidding yourself right? <laughs> it's the greatest thing you'll ever do with your entire life just uh, search my name on Google and you'll find me alright 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 cheers for that thanks no very much hey, thank you very much uh, good stuff gentlemen killing it thank you very much cheers, cheers mate cheers.